Well, we had Noah, Abraham, Joseph, and today we have Moses. Heroes of the Old Testament, as Pastor Tim has been bringing it, these heroes are you and me. These stories of the Bible are not just narrative. These stories in the Bible are practical applications of how God breathes into us the inspiration and power from the living God through our lives into the lives of other people. So the concepts that we have been looking at over the last three weeks, four weeks including today, are concepts that God wants us to apply. He wants us to analyze. He wants us to verify, vindicate them in our own lives. But he gives us the authority because he said, Jesus said, greater things shall you do than these. He wants to speak and use you and me to bring these concepts into the lives of other people. Because heroes answer the call. Today we look at Moses. But this Moses character that we see also involves you and me. Heroes answer the call. And every single one of us have been called. And not just called, he has a very unique plan. Just like every single person in, in this room, on our campuses, and including big shout out to the internet campus for which I'm a proud member. <laughs> I don't. I don't sit in my PJs on the internet campus. I shower, put on my clothes, but I'm a proud member of the internet campus. Don't judge me just because I'm not here in person because it's there. You've got all this technology. There are thousands and thousands of us out there and there's potentially thousands more. I speak into the World Wide Web and say this is Crossroads and you're invited to come and be a part of this week in and week out, day in and day out because you can pull these up at any time. Dr. Royer and I uh, enjoy it and are proud members to be part of the Crossroads Internet Campus. Now, each of us has a different DNA. Physically, we know this. But we also need to understand that each of us has a different DNA, spiritually speaking. When God created you, the moment of conception, when he created your eternal spirit, he gave something in you that is different from anybody else, anything else that he will ever create. Now, so when we say God has a plan for your life, it's not just some sort of preacher talk. We believe this, and I invite you to believe it as well. Now, I know that circumstances happen, situations happen in our lives that cause complexities, but all of those complexities end up being distractions, and those distractions end up becoming sin because we allow ourselves to be taken in by the lies of the enemy. Now, I want to jump into this in 
Exodus 3, this concept of Moses. And let's do that. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to join with me in about three or four or five verses. Then I'm going to go back like the, they do on the movies so you don't want to miss the flash. I mean, the flash comes across uh, previously 79 years nine months later, and if you're not watching that, you're confused the whole time. I'm just warning you ahead of time. That's what I'm going to do. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire and it did not burn up. So Moses thought, now the only reason we know what Moses thought was the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, thank you, Deuteronomy, someone, those of you that are watching in the internet campus would not have picked this up, but somebody actually helped me in my weakness just then uh, with that number. The Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, we understand that Moses wrote them. So that's why Moses knew what Moses thought. Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange thing, why the bush has not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from in the bush, Moses, Moses. Well, you know, for 40 years, a little pause, Moses had been doing this for 40 years. Now, we don't know how long the bush had been burning, but because of what I'm going to go back and review, I imagine it had been burning a long time. And Mount Horeb was known as the presence of God. And for 40 years, now Moses at this point is 80 years old. He had been out doing this for 40 years, from the time he was 40 to now he's 80. Moses said, here I am. Verse 5, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Of course he was. Now let's go back 79 years, nine months. Moses is a three-month-old baby. He was born into a very gruesome time there in Exodus chapter 1, a couple chapters before we were reading. Now, remember Joseph from last week? Remember first stop Pittsburgh from last week? Well, from the first stop in Pittsburgh, ended up 70 of them down in Egypt and Brother Joseph, because of God's divine providence and also Joseph's obedience to the word of God coming through him, had prepared the way for his family, all 70 of them coming down into Egypt. But what happened was they changed pharaohs. They changed kings. The king of Egypt called the pharaoh. They changed kings. And the new king didn't know of the arrangements of the previous administration. And so what ended up happening was over the course of 100, 200 years, they became from guests of honor to just guests to just then visitors to then those Hebrews, those Jews, to owing them a lot 
to slaves to enslaved to dominated slavery to now what happened with the last king was vile and horrifying because the one thing that happened with the Israelites was God was with them and blessed them. Those 70 people over 400 years became over 1 million strong and strapping families. Very tight-knit group for a million plus people. And it caught the attention of the Pharaoh and he was determined to break them down. So he wouldn't feed them. Then he forced them into enduring long, long days of slavery. And then they enslaved the wives. And then they became brutal and abusive. Do we know to, need to go into more details than that? Because I will if I need to. I mean, these slave drivers were instructed by the king to have his way in any way he wanted with any of the Jews that he saw. It was completely terrifying. And then not just that, he sent out a decree that they're still multiplying. He told the midwives to kill all the male babies as soon as they're born. Of course, these Hebrew midwives believe, didn't believe that that was right. That was sinful in the eyes of God. So they united among themselves and would not kill the male children, to which the Pharaoh called them back and saying, why is this still happening? To which the midwives replied, it's happening because the Israelite women, the Jewish women are so strong, they bear their children before we can get to them. <laughs> and so... God said, it says there, that God blessed those midwives to have families of their own. You see, here's the sense. I want you to, I want, to, I want you to not miss the parallel of this story. You see, in the same way, you and I have situations in our lives that we face where we desperately need God's intervention. And God is always there. Not, not just you've been called, not just that he has a plan. God is always there. My friend Brian Allen came to the house and Brian comes once in a while. We get together and we share what God's been speaking to us about. And you know, I think everybody that I share at that level with had something happen November, December, January of this past year. Like Pastor Tim said, the air is thin. That we knew something was percolating. And I was sharing with Brian what was on my heart about agreement. And, you know, I'm not going to get into that part. You can check my YouTube channel for that. I've been teaching it on Facebook Live in parts about finding agreement. We agree upon what we agree on. But Brian said, God's been speaking to me from Isaiah and Ezekiel. And he's been saying, let God arise. Let God arise. I'll tell you what. I mean, that's biblical. That, that conceptualizes the whole thing. When I speak into you, what's your name, sir? Domingo. Domingo. When I speak into your life, let God arise. I mean, it gives you something, right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks for shaking your head. Yes, because I would have hated for you to have done this. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've heard some culture, it's just the opposite. Boy, that would drive me. You remember we were watching something? Yeah, with that, it's a different culture. Thank you for affirming that. But here's what that means. That means, you know, the whole concept of repentance, but it also means the unction, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let God arise. We speak that into each other. We speak that into situations, especially in situations that are ungodly or unholy. And I'll tell you what, I'm not as concerned about the condition of this whole old world. As a matter of fact, I was watching that Grammy Awards when that song called Unholy won that award. And that guy dressed like the devil and that guy dressed like a girl. I mean, you couldn't tell that was a guy at all. I mean, only the devil would dress somebody up like that. And then they celebrated it on stage and everybody's saying, the whole world's going to hell. And I don't, I chuckle at that. I chuckled. I'm going, <laughs> they don't even know what they've unleashed right there. See, it's not what's happened to the condition of the world. <laughs> it's what's come into the world. Jesus has come into the world. His spirit was unleashed on the day of Pentecost. <laughs> we don't have to worry about the condition of the world. All we need to is, um, do is embrace him who's come here. Let arise. Let God arise. Let God arise. And <laughs> that's what happens. The command came from Pharaoh that if those midwives aren't going to obey me, I'm going to force this upon everybody. This is horrendous now. Every baby that's born that's a boy, they were required to toss into the Nile River. Now, what old Pharaoh didn't understand, and wherever evil abounds, there the presence of God abounds more. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The enemy of our soul does not stand a chance, especially when we speak into it. Let God arise. Let God arise. <laughs> and there's a second part to that, you know, now that you've gotten a hold of the cadence of that, let God arise. The second part is, and let his enemies be scattered. Because when his enemies are scattered, they have no unity whatsoever. They are powerless. I speak that into everyone here in such a way that you'll speak it into everybody you know. We need to speak it into situations where people run red lights. I mean, that is crazy. Wherever we live up there in Granger. It is crazy in Granger. They have those roundabouts, and they have rules for the roundabouts. Well, half a Granger doesn't care about the rules for the roundabout, right? People are running stuff. This COVID thing drove people crazy, the road rage and that sort of thing. But God's given you and me, as spirit-filled believers, something that we can do in those situations. And that's speaking to it out loud. Instead of getting all ragey yourself, all upset, all worried about somebody running a, just thank God you weren't hit by that crazy driver. But speak into the crazy driver. Let God arise in that person. Let God arise. 
Water in scripture always means God's presence. Pharaoh did not know that. But the Hebrews did. This was a horrifying, awful thing they were forced to do. Throw their babies into the Nile. The Nile being a river and river being water. And water means the presence of God. Pharaoh had no idea that what he was doing was having the Hebrews offer up their children to the presence of God. I think about that before a lady goes into labor, her water has to break, which means inside the womb is the fluid, meaning the presence of God. The womb is probably the most sacred part of the entire body. And the presence of God is always there. At the point of conception, the presence of God is always there. Moses' mother had to throw Moses out. The only thing was she made sure that when she tossed it, there was a basket going by. <laughs> and for extra measure, it says in Exodus 1 that she put a little extra tar on her basket as she went down there with her laundry. So it would float long enough to get down around the corner. It said that Moses' sister watched this happen to where Pharaoh's daughter was out <laughs> and saw the basket and retrieved it. And not just retrieved it, knew that she couldn't nurse this little baby, so she saw Moses' sister. Now, you and I have miracles like this that happen every day. Every day. The miraculous power of God happens in our lives every day. And you're saying, I don't see it. Well, I'll tell you what, Biggest sour puss as you are, no, you're not going to see it. That attitude you got going on, no, you're not going to see it. You know, you let that attitude roll on out, you're not going to see it. But it does not mean that it's not happening. Because miracles are happening all the time in every way in our lives. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. God is rising up. Every day in your life, all you need to do is unfold those arms, <laughs> repent of that attitude, and open your eyes. Turned to the sister and said, I need a mother to nurse this child. To which Moses' sister went and got her mom and gave the instructions, bring him to me when he's old enough to be brought to me. Moses knew his mom. He was raised up then in the palace of the king in Pharaoh's household as well as understanding the Hebrews for 40 years. Now, here's what happened. When he was 40 years old, he's trying to help out his Hebrew brothers and sisters. He sees an Egyptian beaten on a Hebrew. Now, my 
concept here is this was a, they were starving these men to death. They were weak in condition. And this slave driver had had his way with his wife and his children. And this man was just trying to stand up against the slave driver. Moses took their side. Ended up, didn't know his own strength and killed the Egyptian. The next day, Moses came out, saw two Hebrews, and they were fussing, arguing. Moses is 40 years old. He feels the call of God on his life, feels the plan to help his people, and he tries to reason with these two Hebrews. He's saying, unless we join in unity, we'll never be able to overcome this slavery because God has a plan. To which one of these knuckleheads blurts out, you're going to kill me like you did the guy yesterday? And then suddenly it said that Moses realized that it had become known and the Pharaoh was out to kill him. And so he bolted to the desert. And for 40 years he ruminated on killing the Egyptian. His terrible sense of timing for 40 years, he's ruminating on it. He takes his herd out, and he's glad for the moments where he could take the herd out with his under-shepherds all by himself. He could see the Mount of Horeb, which is known as the Mountain of the Living God. And every time he took the sheep out, he was gone a long time because he would herd them as far as he could, as close as he could to the presence of God, but always afraid of his sin, always repentant of his sin, always remembering his sin. And the reason he hid his face from the presence of God is he's sure that today's the day that he's going to pay for his sin. Then the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land and a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Havites, Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and the Israelites and take the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, Moses is trying to inquire of God because you heard the phrase, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, that's what Moses is doing. He's trying to wait for the other shoe to drop. God said to him, though, I am that I am. I will be with you. Let's talk about insecurity for a second. That insecurity that absolutely possesses us and holds us back in our lives. That becomes paralyzing in its fear. The insecurity. We need to understand that when I most, when I am the most insecure, God is still with me. 
let God arise. When I feel the most insecure about anything I face, let God arise. Let God arise. In the depth of our insecurity, let God arise. He's always with me. He guarantees he'll be with us until all time, no matter what we face. And Moses faced a lot for 40 years. He basked in his guilt. He didn't hear from God. It's because he didn't let God arise. And now he's hearing from God and he's absolutely for sure God's going to do something terrible to make things even. He's absolutely sure he's so messed up that God's going to strike him down or strike him with something. That God's going to punish him, penalize him, do something to sabotage his life. But here's the concept of God that the devil does not want you to know or apply. And that is that when we ask forgiveness of our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That just idea is, is the concept of justification. We see it as one of the five doctrines of the church in the New Testament book of the Romans. It's called justification. And it means that when we ask God to forgive us, it's just as if we never sinned. Furthermore, let God arise. Furthermore, the scripture says that God remembers our sins no more. Now, you and I, in our finiteness, we don't have that capacity, right? Because we remember everything. When you repent, God remembers nothing. Hallelujah. Let God arise. Let that truth arise in every single one of us that hear this. That's the thing, the enemy, the thing that the enemy, you think it's not forgivable what you've done or whatever. You think, well, if God ever found out, he'd struggle. God already knows if you ask forgiveness, God remembers your sins no more. Quit living in that misery. Quit living on the backside of the desert. March right on up to Mount Oreb. Raise your hands and yield yourself before the living God. Because you're cleansed, you're washed free. He provided it through Jesus Christ on that cross. He was our ultimate sacrifice. His body was dead. God breathed resurrection life into him, raised him from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he came back in his spirit. He's at the right hand of the Father. He came back on the day of Pentecost into that other upper room, separated, came to rest upon each of them and said, this is the same experience you shall experience. Greater things shall you do than these. Let God arise. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. I'm not very good with words. I've never been. I'm not now. And now, even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. My words become tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether they speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, 
I will be with you. I am that I am. I will speak. I will instruct you what to say. When I feel inadequate, God is still with me. Let God arise. When I feel the most inadequate, let God arise. Moses hasn't got it yet. God remembers his sins no more. He's trying to soft step it, right? You know, I get tongue-tied. You know, I messed up. Don't you, God? Don't you remember that at all? No, God doesn't remember that. He's, don't you remember that? No! <laughs> you could bring it up to God and remind him he still would not remember that. You can take all of your sins that you've repented of and you can take them back to God. Remember I did this, God? I did this, God? I did this, God? God said, no, you never did any of that. Well, I know I did. I give you the time and dates and the response of people. Let God arise. One of the biggest things we're enslaved to is our own past. Pastor Doug said it a couple of weeks ago. You need to forgive yourself. Let God arise. But Moses pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to dig into that for a second. I got 36 seconds left of my allotted time. I'm going to appeal to you my, of my internet congregation colleagues. I'll give you a second here because I got to get set up for my illustration for you to record Margaret Brennan. Uh, what's that called? Meet the Press? No, that's the Angry Man. Chuck Todd, the Angry Man. We have our nicknames. Um, Margaret Brennan there on CBS. Go ahead and record that because I'm going to go over just a little bit into your opinion time, okay? Because this is really important. How we see God being angry. The original Hebrew concept for God got angry with Moses is Yahweh Weyer. And Yahweh Weyer, I'm going to demonstrate. It's completely different than Anthropos Weyer. That's man's anger. <laughs> Let me demonstrate it. So Moses is giving all these excuses. God keeps saying, God keeps saying, Moses. <laughs> Moses keeps talking. Let me, let me show, let me demonstrate it this way. Now, I'm not saying exactly God goes to sleep, but, okay, so I'd wished I'd have brought a pillow. <laughs> I'm God now, right? Of course, I'm going to write my omniscience into the melodrama. <laughs> okay, so Moses is talking, talking, talking. I'm not asleep. I'm just resting because the thing is, all of that talking and complaining and ruminating on your sins makes you an obstacle 
of what God wants to do. And God can't speak to your heart while you're moving your yapper. So shut your yapper. When he finally did, when he finally shut his big yapper, I mean, you're getting this right. Uh, this is Moses talking. This is God just relaxing during the talk. Because there's nothing about Moses complaining and giving God all these excuses that gets God revved up until he stops talking. And the minute he stopped talking, that concept for anger, this idea of Yahweh, Yahar, or whatever it is. It's like giving God an adrenaline shot. Boom! Okay now. <laughs> Your brother Aaron is coming. He's the Levite. I know he speaks well. You don't realize, but I can see, because God has the big picture view. Aaron is on his way to see you. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him. Put words in his mouth. I will be with you both. I will instruct you both in what to do. What I'm saying here is that the whole idea of God becoming angry with Moses is that God is the ultimate problem solver. <laughs> Let God arise. There's not a thing you face if you unleash God in the situation that he can't solve. Oh, well, you got your limitations, but all of that little worrying, all that talking, all those excuses, is that really working out that well for you? How about trying something else? Let God arise. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece. You will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. When I feel intimidated, God is with me there. Thank you. Then finally, fast forward 40 more years. Moses is 120. Wow. Then Moses called for Joshua and all of Israel watched and he said, be strong and courageous for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors he would give them. Joshua, you are the one who will divide that among them as, land, as grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. That is what he speaks into us when we say in our hearts, let God arise. That idea of God being with you means he goes ahead of you, he's behind you, he's on both sides, he's surrounding you, and he's inside of you. He's everywhere because he is the I am that I am. Let God arise. Now, this was no small duty for Joshua. The reason that Pastor Tim put it in here was for you to conceptualize the idea that Joshua's job was to take now at this point one to three million people and divide up a landmass the size of New Jersey. I mean, that was Joshua's job. I mean, you try to 
figure out four people in your car, you're on a road trip, try to have a discussion on where you're going to eat lunch. Of course, if they're over 60, it'll be the Cracker Barrel, but, you know, anybody under that, it's an old people's place. Um, anybody below that, yeah, I ruined all by bringing up the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> the thing is, I can trust God's presence in my life. You've been called. He has a plan for you. What's he calling you to do? Thing is... You already know. Let's capture this. Stand with me today. Let's capture this moment and lean into the presence of God. This prayer we pray at crossroads. This conceptualizes the idea that my heart is repentant. And the thing is, this is a prayer we should all pray every day. I'm not of that particular faith group that believes it's one time forever. I believe his mercies are renewed every morning. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that we need to let God arise throughout the day of our lives. And this say yes to Jesus prayer sums that up. We need to pray it every week that we're here from our hearts no matter what campus we're joining especially those of you who are on the internet church because here's the here's the truth we're six weeks from Easter Sunday and I believe that thin air Pastor Tim's talking about I believe from the top of my head to the tips of my toes that God wants to do something that's greater than anything he's ever done on the planet until this point. I let God arise. Let God arise. From the bottom of our hearts now, out loud. Let's slow down the pace. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Amen. Amen. Let God arise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who do we have? Stu right over here. Pastor Michelle over here. Worship team is going to conclude in a song. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we've got pastors on each side here of the platform. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we really want to make contact with you so we launch you in the way you need to go. If you have a need in your life and want a special prayer, please come up here. They've got time for every one of you. God bless you today. In Jesus' name we said together, amen.